The subject that we've chosen for our discussion today could be construed as negative and defeatist by the success-oriented student of truth. He might argue that we're preparing the way in consciousness for things to actually go wrong. I guess he might have a point if we spent the hour wringing our hands and woefully talking about all the terrible things that happen to people and how unjust it is and so forth. But the fact is we live in a world of cross-currents of consciousness, and if we're honest, we must admit that sometimes we're not able to sustain the positive state of mind in all circumstances. So for one reason or another, things do sometimes go wrong. Certainly there's nothing negative in recognizing with Robert Burns that the best laid plans of mice and men gang off a glay leave us not but grief and pain for promised joy. Maybe a job that isn't working out, a physical challenge that has arisen, a sudden need for financing in a tight money market, or a relationship problem with a spouse or co-worker. It is probably true that as students of truth, we all have a tendency to be impatient with ourselves. We work with Jesus' injunction, be ye perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's pretty stern. There's no room in such a vision for failure. The Greek word in the original New Testament, here translated perfect, is the word teleos, which is best understood in the contemporary phrase, get it all together. It doesn't mean to achieve Christhood, but it means to get yourself on schedule in the process of growth. This gives us a very important insight into this concept of being perfect. You must realize that growth comes through change, and change normally involves challenge. So when something goes wrong, it does not necessarily indicate that a tragedy has happened. For one reason or another, we've been thrust into a necessity, perhaps we might say an opportunity for growth. There's an insight that, if you really understand it, can make a tremendous difference in your ability to handle life's exigencies. In every attempt in life, there must be the possibility of failure and success. We must have the stability and perspective to deal with both of them in the context of the ongoingness of life. To become too elated with success, too crushed by defeat, is indicative of an unbalance. So in every setback or failure, we should be buoyed up with the realization that nothing is ever a complete loss. There's always some gain, some growth. And in every success, we should be sobered and humbled with the realization that without the action of forces greater than ourselves, we could not have succeeded. Life is for growing. Missing the mark is learning how to hit the target, and failure is a vital part of success. The problem is we have thought of success as getting there, but actually it is earning the right to be there. And the earning means learning. Setbacks, even seeming failures, are a part of that learning. So any education that prepares people only for success and not for coping with frustrations of things going wrong merely succeeds in inhibiting a large number of students from attempting ventures where failure is a possibility, which severely cripples their creativity and imagination. An important observation here is that often a problem that unexpectedly crops up is a result of a subconscious trap that we have previously set for ourselves. 
without knowing it, we may have been working against ourselves. It's like the improbable story that is told of a man who insisted on helping a friend who was moving. A great moving van was drawn up before the door of the house. The men were busy going to and fro between the house and the van carrying furniture. The man started in to help. When his friend tried to, dis tried to dissuade him, he would wave him aside and pitch in all the harder. Finally, the friend pinned him in the corner and said, look, if you don't stop helping us, we'll never get moved in. And the man said, moved in? I thought you were moving out. <laughs> like the youth who ran the wrong way in a football game, we often have to be knocked down and dragged out before we can be stopped from working against our own best interests. We may be praying or spiritually treating for some good, but all the while we're full of worry and fear, which not only negates our prayer, but actually is a kind of prayer for the worst. In other words, we may be hoping for the best, but actually expecting the worst. We do this more than we know. The very first thing to do when something goes wrong is to remember that he that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. You live an infinite mind. So the potential for the positive outworking is always with you, within you, even now. So nothing has really changed. God's in his heaven still, and all is still right with the world. The problem is simply the frustration of potentiality. So the real crisis is one of perception. Not what has happened, but what you're thinking about what has happened. If you see the difficulty as a static thing, you tend to form an obstacle complex. It is said of Napoleon that he faced the most difficult of difficulties in a poised and confident manner because he would invariably declare, I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. This is to face the fact that you do have a problem, but to see it in the context of the flow of life. Some years ago, I was facing an extremely disturbing situation in my own life. I was feeling as if I had a great weight on my shoulders. Casting about for a helpful insight, I was browsing through the Bible. For some reason, my attention focused on the words, it came to pass. These are sort of innocuous words. They have no pertinent significance of themselves. But I kept returning to that phrase, it came to pass. And a realization dawned has been one of the great discoveries of my own truth-seeking life. The realization that this challenge did not come into my life to remain as a permanent fixture. It came to pass. This was the birth in my consciousness of the idea of the flow of life. It came to me many years ago. So no matter how real or substantial the problem seems to be, it would pass away just as every undesirable situation had done before it. And most of our negative reactions to problems come because we think that this has happened and it's here. I'm stuck with it. It's a static thing. But actually, as we find, if, as we look back into our experience, all things that have happened have ultimately passed away. So this experience has come to bring me something I need for my growth. Now I can let it pass on to oblivion, and it will do so if I let it go. Give thanks that it has happened, and, it's, and the happening is on the way out. And the moment this glimmer of light came in that particular situation, the burden was instantly lifted from my shoulders. It was almost as if the light had suddenly dawned and the darkness before the dawn faded away into nothingness. 
So as I let go my concern over the problem, it moves swiftly in the direction of an amazing solution. And Shakespeare says, our remedies oft in ourselves do lie. It was almost as if my anxiety had been holding back the solution, which it probably was, like holding a compass needle and seeing it float easily back to fix on magnetic north as I let it go. The realization that I use often, have since that time, I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. I know that it has not come to stay, it has come to pass. You may have a challenge in your life now, something that you're facing that you're deeply concerned about, something that's kind of a weight on your shoulders. You may want to join with me now in repeating this realization, not say it a phrase at a time. I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. I know that it has not come to stay, it has come to pass. I know that it has not come to stay, it has come to pass. Let's say that again, because it's very important. I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. I recognize its existence, but not its permanence. I know that it has not come to stay, it has come to pass. I know that it has not come to stay, it has come to pass. Hold that thought concerning something that you feel is very troubling in your life. Get the sense that it, it does not here permanently. It's not a thing to worship. It's not a block of stone. It's come to pass. It's in the flow. Let it go. For instance, in facing the experience of unemployment, normally there's a confusion of bitterness, fear, self-pity, and insecurity, because unemployment is thought of as a static thing. And all of our fears and anxieties are, are the fact that we, based on the fact that we think that it's here to stay. I'm unemployed. This comes from dealing with the fear of permanence of the condition. So it's important to get the thought that it has come to pass. See it as a moving experience. Suddenly all that is left is the movement between jobs. And with faith in the unfoldment of good, it's really not a fearsome thought at all, is it? No matter how or what or when something happens, all important is how you deal with it in thought. Remember Moses' word to the Israelites as they commiserated over their plight before the impassable Red Sea, with the Egyptian army bearing down upon them with intent to destroy them. He said to them, Stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you this day. Stand still, and know the truth. Stand still, and see the flow of the divine process working in your life. Get the perspective of that flow, knowing that the divine law of adjustment is working. Actually see it in mental imagery. It is a helpful technique to use when things go wrong. One man was greatly disturbed at being passed over in a promotion to a higher post. The promotion went to another person. He had worked faithfully for this corporation. He had studied and prepared himself for this position. He really felt he was more qualified than the other person who received the advance. The rebuff was a tragic blow to him. He had a brief tussle with bitterness. But he was a student of truth, and he well knew that a strong negative reaction would be akin to the man, to the man helping the friend move, but moving things out when they were really moving in. In other words, he could choose to destroy himself with this kind of thinking if he wanted to, or he could choose to deal with it creatively. At first, it was hard to get into the process of the spiritual realization, so he could only voice some Pollyanna cliches. So he would say, I know that all things work together for good, but I can hardly wait to see what good will come out of this. But he moved closer and closer toward the spiritual realization, and intuitively he knew the answer was within himself. And finally, he did really stand still and see. And the revelation came that his real problem was that he didn't feel worthy of the job. 
And he wanted the higher post to prove himself that he was worthy. But you see, worthiness must come first. So he worked on himself, and the realization came, if you're worthy to draw a breath of air, you're worthy of the affluence of heaven and earth. He was reading the paper one day, and he found himself reading the Help Wanted pages, something he'd never done before. He noted an ad indicating that they were looking for someone of his qualifications. And he said, that sounds just like me. So he arranged for an interview. And to make the long story short, soon he was in the new position. Within a year, his income was nearly double what it had been. And he was happier than he'd ever been. When things went wrong, he had chosen to deal with the crisis creatively. It all depends upon the attitude that you hold about yourself. I'd like to share with you a personal experience that I've shared before, and some of you have heard it, but you'll bear with me because it's apropos here. Many years ago, in the early days of my radio work, in the days before tape recordings, when I actually had to go to the radio station every morning, six days a week, some of you may not be aware that this is the way radio functioned in those days, because we've become so used to hearing recorded programs. And I've become so used to recording a program and sending it off to the station on tape and then sitting home relaxed when the broadcast is on. But there was a day when I had to go to the station every day of the week. If I was going out of town, it was a big job. I had to go and have regular radio record discs made. It was a huge problem to get away for a period of time. So I had to get up at 4.30 every morning at this time to leave home for the trip to the station at 5.15 daily. I was up with the farmers. One morning I awakened to find that there had been a heavy snowfall in the night. And the car was buried and the road was completely impassable. But there was no way out. I had to get on. The show goes on, of course, and so I donned my heavy boots and walked half a mile to a main thoroughfare. I flagged a bus that mercifully came along, but it was going very slowly and obviously not going to get me to the station on time. So I got off at a corner where there was a taxi stand and there was a cab there, so I got the cab. And before we'd gone a couple of miles, the cab had a blowout. <laughs> the driver got out to fix it. He said, this, this really won't take long. But I didn't have the time to wait and see whether it would take long or not. <laughs> along came another cab, which picked me up. We drove along merrily for a while, and soon we were locked tightly in a terrible traffic jam. We were standing still, and the clock moved on. It came to that point which air travelers talk about as the point of no return, the point where there was no possibility of getting there on time. So finally, I let go of my anxious concern thinking that I've done all I can do, there's nothing more I can do, so if I miss a broadcast, it won't be the end of the world. So I sat back and closed my eyes, and I had what I must call a mystical experience. I actually saw myself completing the broadcast and looking back on the frantic push to get to the station on time. I had a feeling of gratitude for its outworking. This all came in a flash, in a vision. Suddenly the driver called out, we're here, mister. I couldn't believe it. We were in front of the building. I looked at my watch. It was impossible. We couldn't, we couldn't have gotten there in this time. But there was no time to speculate. I had just two minutes left. I paid the driver with a generous tip, ran into the building where an elevator was actually waiting. <laughs> I walked into the studio just as the engineer was pointing, you're on. It really was a great lesson. A lesson both to believe in the possibility of doing the impossible and to experience what I've since used on many occasions as a technique for getting into the came-to-pass flow. When you're bogged down in some difficulty where there appears to be no time, no way out, just get still 
Visualize yourself 24 hours later, 24 hours beyond that point where you have that terrible hassle to face. And you're looking back upon it, feeling grateful that it all worked out beautifully. This completely bypasses the technicality of the how, which comes into consciousness. How am I possibly going to get it done? Getting into the consciousness of receptivity, in which answers can easily unfold. This is a very workable technique. It's one which I've used often. Just look back 24 hours ahead and look back on the experience and get the feeling that it's already done. See it as done. Envision it as done. And feel grateful that it is done. Jesus says, pray believing you have received. Pray believing you have received. And see yourself as having received. That's a big part of the prayer process. So out of this there comes a very important affirmation. I do not resist change. But I adapt myself to the inexorable function of the divine law of adjustment that is unfolding greater good for me. I do not resist change, but I adapt myself to the inexorable function of the divine law of adjustment that is unfolding greater good for me. Of course, when things go wrong, pray about it, but not begging or supplicating for God's help, but affirming that you're never separated from the action of divine law. Prayer is remembering the truth, knowing oneness, getting centered in the inner flow. It is knowing that you live in infinite mind, you live in mind, in which there's always an answer for every need, on the very verge of being outformed, is knowing that all things are working together for good. There's a marvelous lesson in the Bible of a person meeting a whole lot of things going wrong and an exemplary poise and non-resistance. We refer, of course, to Joseph, who, while little more than a boy, was snatched from the shelter of a doting father's care by his own jealous brothers, who sold him to wandering merchants, who in turn sold him as a slave in the household of Potiphar in Egypt, a high official in Pharaoh's army. Instead of bemoaning his fate, Joseph went about his duties in Potiphar's house with poise and serenity. Soon, because of his demonstrated trustworthiness and willingness, things became better for him. His master made him overseer of the whole household. But then adversity overtook him again. Because he scorned the overtures that she made toward him, Potiphar's unfaithful wife wrongly accused him of an attempted infidelity with her. So Joseph was cast into prison. But Joseph non-resistantly accepted every change, knowing that something good was on the way. He simply did the best he could do in every experience. His good spirit so impressed the keeper of the prison that he made him what today we call a trustee. But there seemed little opportunity for his freedom or for happiness. But Joseph went right on doing what he could for his fellow prisoners while keeping his faith in the ultimate triumph of good. The rest of the story is a beautiful illustration of what patient faith and integrity can accomplish. Upon hearing from one of the prisoners whom Joseph had befriended that he was gifted with the ability to interpret dreams, Pharaoh sent for him to interpret his own dreams. He was so pleased with the young man that in time he made him prime minister over all of Egypt. It was a very interesting story when the brothers and their father came from Palestine, where they've been having a terrible drought, to Egypt to receive, to beg for and to receive some help, food for their people. He came face to face with his father, with his brothers, his traitorous brothers. To them he said, be not afraid, for though you meant evil for me in what you did, yet God intended for good. It's a wonderful story of the consciousness of one who was able to be non-resistant to changing conditions. When many things went wrong, he always 
met him in the realization of the flow of good working for him. It's a great inspiration to all of us when we find ourselves in the depth of some kind of adversity, when we feel that we're innocent victims of some injustice. When was the last time you felt you were unjustly treated? When you let those paranoid feelings come into your consciousness, why are they picking on me? Why do these things always go wrong in my life? You may say, but I couldn't react like Joseph. It's too much for me. But you see, his handling of his thoughts and feelings in the face of injustice was really the most logical thing to do, if you stop and think about it. Why destroy yourself over the actions of others or the cruelty of fate? How much better to remember that the potential for the positive outworking is always within you. The potential is always present. So watch how you meet the challenge. Freely admit to its existence, but not its permanence. Know that it has not come to stay, but to pass. And yet centered in the realization that when something goes wrong, the challenge is an opportunity to release more of your innate potential. Admit to yourself that no matter what the challenge, there's always some advantage in every disadvantage. So pray about it, but in the sense of getting centered in divine mind, where there are always answers for every need. It's so important to see prayer in this consciousness, getting into the awareness of the infinite process within us, which knows our needs, as Jesus said, and whose pressure it is to give us the kingdom, to give us the answers. And the time will come, if you're open to perceive it, when you look back on the difficulty or the suffering with a grateful heart, because it will have brought you to a new understanding of yourself. Jesus said, I came not to send peace, but a sword. Many have been disturbed by this. It seems as if Jesus is saying, I came to bring you war rather than peace. This isn't what he meant at all. He's saying that life is not for ease and contentment. Life is for growth. I came to stir you up, not to lull you into complacency, but to set you on fire with the realization that there's great things good for you if, if you keep working within, keep using the sword of truth to cut away all the limitations, and let the unfoldment of good manifest in your life. So when things go wrong, Hold the realization that though you are challenged by it, you will surely grow through it if you keep positive and if you keep on. I'd like to invite you to be still for just a moment. And in the stillness, get the sense of being at the center of a creative flow of good. I refer often to the design or logo that you find on your program that we use so often based upon the figure of the person, which is yourself. The center of a circle with the arrows pointing in from all directions indicating the infinite creative flow of intelligence and love and substance flowing into your life while you, as Moses said, simply stand quiet. Get the feeling now of being centered at this part of your being. That no matter what the challenges or the difficulties that you face in your life, no matter how real they are, no matter how threatening, that you're still at the center of your being. God's in his heaven and all's right with the world. The heaven being the unmanifest, ever seeking to express through you substance and life and intelligence flowing into you and through you 
from all sides. In this consciousness, you have the capacity and the receptivity to let the answer come forth. And if you will, you may want to utilize this simple technique that I've referred to. Projecting yourself 24 hours ahead, or a week ahead, or a month ahead, whatever seems adequate to take care of the needs that you face. And see yourself as being completely successful in achieving the good that you desire, in overcoming the limitation. And looking back from this projected state, seeing the wonderful thing unfold in your life, solving and dissolving the problems, easing the inharmony, manifesting the love and forgiveness that may be necessary, that the great difficulty fades away into nothingness. From this projected point, a day or a week or a month ahead, you feel grateful grateful that it has worked out, grateful that in the flow of life, wonderful things have manifest in your life. Feel this about yourself. No matter what the condition, no matter how serious, how seemingly impassable or impossible, it has not come to stay, it has come to pass, and you let it pass. Grateful that it has brought you to a new discovery of yourself. Let's feel good about the fact that there is always a possible outworking within the grasp of our consciousness. And through the word of truth, we can open the door to the kingdom of all possibilities. So just join me in consciousness as we say together, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so be it.